Well, hello and welcome to Women's Magazine here at MutinyRadio.fm. That was Pamela Parker. She's going to be calling in today in about two at about two fifteen. That was a, kind of a new track called "Pedal to the Metal." Uh, today's theme of Women's Magazine is women who rock and roll with the punches of the in- music industry. So I'm really excited. We have amazing guests here today, and we're actually going to start off the show with a live performance from. Hollywood, who's here uh, kind of on a tour. Uh, she's going to play us a song, sing us a song, and um, then we'll hear a little bit about where she's going next. So, Polly, thanks for being here. Take All it away. Right. Thanks for having me. This is a brand new song. It's called Bring Me My New Life, I think. Um, I wrote it actually with the drum kit, and it's the first song I wrote that's lies heavily on the ride symbol but since today all i have is a pair of bongos it'll be brand new so here we go experimental oh as always bring me my new life 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 bring me my new Bring me my new life. You gotta imagine this ride symbol just going the whole time. Bring me my new eyes. Make them clear. Make them wide. But first fill them up with tears so I can wash away those wasted years. Wasted years. Bring me my new skin Make it thick Make it sing When you say those nasty things I won't feel a thing When I hear your tired name No, I won't feel a thing Feel a thing Bring me my new clock Make it tick Make it talk Bring me my new clock, make it tick and tock. Are you one from the past? It got tired, you ran so fast. Now is not the time to try, it's too late. Walk on by, walk on by. Are you one from the past? Tit not tat, no give, no take. No give, no take, no take, no give, no tip for tat. Are you one from the past? She got hard, you ran so fast. Now is not the time to try. It's too late. Walk on by, walk on by. Walk on by, walk on by, walk on by, walk on by. Bring me my new life, 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 bring me my new hips, make them sway, make them slip. When the dance floor's turning on, I'll be there. Won't miss a song, won't miss a song. When the dance floor's turning on, I'll be there. Won't miss a song. 
Bring me my new bed. 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 Bring me my new bed to rest my sleepy head. Move it out. Take it all. Throw the pillows down the hall. Clear the slate. Clean the ground. A whole new way. Whole new way. Lay me down. Lay me down. Whole new way. Whole new way. Lay me down. Bring me my new life. Bring me my new Yeah, Polly Wood. There you go. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to conjure it up. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm so glad you sang that song today. I think we all need some newness in our lives. Um, so thank you for yeah, being here. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Mona Lisa, for suggesting I come along. Absolutely. And you're always welcome here at Mutiny Radio. Um, so I know you're actually heading down the coast a little bit today. Mm -hmm. So um, maybe next time you come, we could do a, a longer set. But yeah. what do you have coming up next? And how can people connect to you and your music? Um, so, uh, well, I'm coming back out to the Bay Area the weekend of March 23rd, 24th. Uh, I'm playing a show at the Berkeley Plaza, the new downtown on the Plaza Berkeley BART station on the 23rd, along with Cello Joe. And then uh, an all-women's show in Santa Cruz on, at the Coomba Jazz Center on the 24th of March. And then otherwise, um, have some music online at radwoman.com, R-A-D-W-O-M-A-N.com, or my name, Polly Wood, P-O-L-L-Y-W-O-O-D dot W-S. Very cool. Yeah. I'm so glad you were here today to bring your energy into the room and conjure up. Yeah, um, you can always add new verses to that song, bring me a new whatever. Bring it. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you for being part of this Women Who Rock episode. You certainly rock, and you are opening up channels here. So I'm gonna I'm gonna bring in our our, our new guest right now, um, Mari Fong. Thank you so much for being here as well. Um, I know that you're a music journalist, but you've worked in the music industry for a long time, uh, both as a producer for Sirius XM Radio, but also as a professional coach um, to a lot of musicians. And uh, recently we're in the Bay Area to go to the, or I'm sorry, Southern California to go to the She Rocks um, awards. awards. Right. So uh, thank you for being here on Women's Magazine today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Me too. I, you know, we're getting a lot of going to have a lot of different voices coming in. Pamela Parker's calling in in just a couple minutes. But um, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit uh, more about uh, kind of wh where you are and in, in, in your roles that that you're currently serving, you know, the world and through the music industry. Well, I was a uh, former music editor for a Los Angeles newspaper uh, through Campus Circle Media. And through that, I've been fortunate enough to be able to interview uh, different bands, talk with them one-on-one, -on -one, and write some great articles. Uh, but through that, I also found that, um, you know, there were a lot of struggles and challenges uh, to being a touring musician, even to being a local musician. And right now, um, you know, with all of 
all of the tragic things that have happened with um, artists like Chris Cornell and Chester Bennington, uh, Mac Miller, people that have uh, uh, weren't able to survive their their own life challenges. I'm really become an advocate for musicians and their mental health. Uh, so I became certified to be a life coach for musicians. And since then, I've also been putting on different events to raise money uh, to be able to speak out more on mental health and uh, the music industry. Uh, I put on a, an event called the Chinatown Get Down, and I partner with different nonprofits like Homeless Healthcare Los Angeles. Um, the last one I did was uh, to support Sweet, Re uh, Sweet Relief Musicians Fund uh, to raise money again for musicians and mental health. Uh, so that's basically my my focus right now is just to start the conversation um, and also to talk about solutions uh, to have better mental health. I'm so glad you're here to join us today, and you're going to be kind of my constant guest throughout the rest of the hour. Um, we do have a phone call coming in right now from Pamela Parker, so let's talk to her because she is a, an active musician. She's um, a professional here in the San Francisco Bay Area, but also a touring musician who is a sound engineer at Hyde Street Studios. Pamela Parker, are you with us? Hey, how's it going? Really well. Thank you so much for calling in today. I'm sitting here with Mari Fong, and we were just talking about kind of uh, how to approach, you know, the balance of life as a musician. Um, so we played one of your songs earlier, and uh, oh, are, are you uh, on tour right now? Um, we just got done doing a show at the Independent in San Francisco last Saturday, which was awesome. And we're not really on tour, no. We just did that one show, and we are going to be hitting other places. We're going to be up in Alpine Meadows. We're going to be playing the Earth Day Festival in San Francisco. And so, yeah, we're going to be moving around. So is a lot of your work right now, tell, talk about your experiences um, as uh, at the Hyde Street Studios. Um, how long have you been doing that? And uh, where did, what kind of did, square did you start from? And where have you gone uh, since then? Um, I started at Hyde Street Studios about 11 years ago. And before that, I had been working at studios in the Washington, D.C. area where I'm from. Um, I got a couple degrees in music in that area. Uh, one of them was vocal performance with a double minor in piano and guitar. And then the second one was commercial music, which was more like being a record producer, an engineer, writing arrangements, writing charts, um, doing orchestration, conducting orchestras, writing for jazz bands. Um, that was more of the commercial music bachelor's degree so from that um, I had to do an internship for my college degree and I called up Michael Franti and he hooked me up with one of his producer engineers Jay Bowman so I came out to San Francisco to do an internship with Jay Bowman and then through Jay Bowman I met Maestro Curtis who showed me all these really amazing things like color theory um, sound therapy, you know, sound healing, how you could heal through sound and uh, what colors could do for people, you know, how they could change their moods and um, make them feel a different feeling. So 
I just thought that was so great. I decided I really wanted to move out here because it was a little bit different. Um, you know, otherwise I was going to maybe move to New York and work at Electric Lady Studios. Um, so I moved out here, and when I moved out here, <clears throat> I asked a friend of mine who was living here, who was also a musician, Eric McFadden, um, I asked him, you know, what studio is your favorite in the Bay? And he said Hyde Street Studios. So I called them up, and um, one of their interns had dropped off the Wednesday schedule. So <clears throat> I took that schedule, and then from there I climbed my way. And now I'm a staff engineer, and I bring in my own clients, and they give me clients as well. So I produce and engineer, and I also play on different sessions as well there. That's kind of what that looks like for me. I love the the awesome kind of uh, organic nature of of the evolution of your career so far. Um, so, how do you tend to balance your your life? Um, I know you're you're doing a lot of sound engineering and work for other people and, and sitting on sessions, as you said, um, how do you balance that with also your own, uh, music and, and your creative process? Oh, sure. Well, I don't really do a lot of sessions. I only do sessions that I want to do. So, you know, it's not really every day for me, you know, although I do feel like I'm at the studio every day, maybe doing something, but mostly, you know, I work on my own projects. And then I'll take on clients if I really dig their projects. So it is really a project-by-project project basis. Um, you know, if someone really needs me, I'll step in and I'm available. That's fine. Um, but I'm not really too busy doing that um, just because I'm focusing on my own music career. So I can't really do that all the time. Um, you know, it's almost like a one-third and then a two-third. So one-third doing the sound engineering producing thing and then two thirds doing my own thing um, with performing. And there's just a million other things to do. It's insane. The list of things. So I don't know about a balance. I don't know if I've struck any kind of a balance really. Um, yoga definitely helps me feel like I'm more balanced. And so, you know, I really try to do that every morning at least a little bit and do some meditation and try to think about what I want to create for the day, you know, so that creates a little bit of a balance in me, but I feel like really I'm working all the time on either one of those two projects, either the someone else's project or my own project. So that's kind of what that looks like. <laughs> You know, you mentioned that uh, you worked with Michael Fronte, and uh, I just, last week I was just um, at his uh, uh, performance uh, where he mm -hmm. presented his film, Stay Human, and also sang some of his new songs from his new album. Right. He's such a positive person, and he really gets people feeling really good with his music. What was it, when you worked with him, that was kind of the takeaway message, um, something that you learned from him just by working you went with him and, you know, kind of seeing his process. Mm -hmm. Well, I didn't work with him. He just hooked me up with an internship working with one of his producer engineers. So he was more of a catalyst for me. Um, he said that he had just finished work on Everyone Deserves Music. And they actually recorded Everyone Deserves Music at Hyde Street Studios. Um, I don't know if they recorded it all there, but I know that they recorded at least some of it there, if not all of it. 
Um, so I almost got to work on that project with him, but he was finished. So he just sent me over to Jay Bowman. And, you know, so I didn't really work with Michael Franti himself. He really just was a nice guy, you know, and hooked me up with an internship because I needed the internship to graduate from college. Right. So, you know, for me, I met Michael Franti on the jam cruise in 2004. So I had kept in touch with him from 2004 to 2007, I think it was, I came out to do my internship and, you know, I had sent him like my old band CD and just kind of kept in touch with him. And, you know, he was nice enough to let me into his world enough to kind of hook me up with Jay Bowman. So for me, like, I think really a takeaway about him is that he really has a community spirit. And I felt like, even though I was really nobody to him, he still helped me. And I just thought that was the coolest thing because he's a really great guy. And I love what he sings about and what he stands for. You know, when I first experienced his band on the jam cruise, at the time, I had really been looking for an inspiration to some artist to inspire me who was doing good in the world. And so when I saw his band play for the first time, I thought, wow, this is this is someone who's going to really inspire me a lot. And, um, you know, on the jam cruise, he was having people come up and talk to him, and he just had, like, a whole line of people that wanted to talk to him. And, you know, I was one of those people. So it was just kind of one of those things that I kept in touch, and he somehow was able to answer my phone call and hook me up. So I just felt really special and that he took time to even help me, you know, because it didn't really do anything for him. So I felt like that was a really nice gesture of him to do. Yeah, he's just an uplifting person. And I'm. it's good to hear that he's an authentic person, you know, that he is as nice and kind as he appears to be on stage. And, right. he, mm-hmm. you know, you're talking about inspiration. He um, has this film now called Stay Human. And it's all about that. It's all about people that he's met all around the world that have inspired him. And oh, cool. uh, now it's all coming out through his music. So thank you for that. Yeah. yeah awesome. and, and Pamela, having seen you perform many times, I mean, you come out there and you just rock. And I'm like a you know classic rock girl myself. I mean, I don't play yeah. it, but I've certainly grew up with it. And I, I would probably fall back on say that's probably my favorite type of music. So I've seen you perform live and you are really inspiring because you're like, whoa, who is that badass up there on stage? So um, just kind of like, you know, you responding to other people's live music. What kind of response do you get to yours? Like people coming up to you after the show um and uh yeah what's that what's that been like for you oh well um thank you so much for the kind words (laughs) i you know i there's so many different reactions but i know a common reaction is you know wow you play really great guitar you know a lot of people don't expect me to play a solo i think um, oftentimes, I remember at the last show at the Independent, when I kind of like walked up to the edge of the stage and was doing my ripping solo, I noticed for the first time in the set, you know, um, I noticed these guys that they're just like, their mouth was just open and they were talking to each other like, oh my gosh, do you see that? I can't believe it, you know? And 
So I feel like I inspire a lot of women who they come up and they say to me like, wow, you've really inspired me so that I feel like I could do that too. And to me, that's worth everything, you know, because what I really like to do is inspire other people to be who they want to be, you know, and that's even a lyric in the Believe song, you know, to be who you want to be. And a lot of times I think in the world now, because, you know, especially in the Bay Area where bills are very high, rent is very high, um, a lot of people aren't really thinking about what inspires them. They're just trying to pay their bills and make sure they stay alive till tomorrow, you know, and feed their children and make sure their children have good schools to go to and clothes on their back. And, you know, for anyone to be able to reach past that part of their life into an artistic inspiration is really why I love to share myself with the audience because it's something that it's been really hard to do and I've I've tried to quit a few times, but I don't know. It's just it's it keeps me going to know that other people are so inspired yeah. by what I'm doing because I can't really stop doing it. You know, it's it's just who I am. Yeah. So it means a lot when other people come up to me and they validate what I'm doing and tell me that it helps them feel like they could do what they want to do too. So that's kind of the, you know, the main thing that I receive from the audience is their feelings of inspiration. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, Cause uh, I feel like inspiration I I really appreciate what you said about inspiration because people may not be focused on on looking what for for what inspires them in this you know busy busy world um so yeah keep up the awesome work that you're doing um I really appreciate you and your music and I always tell people about you so um it's Thank it's you. a really great way you know you're so talented and uh that that definitely uh, vibrates you know uh, beyond <laughs> places that we know, right? Inspiration is kind yeah. of this invisible ripple um, that goes out. So um, I'm so happy yeah. to to have that, and I thank you for for sharing that on this show here on Women's Magazine because that's kind of what we're talking about today. Is you know how to how do you know not just any artists but women um, you know kind of roll with um, the demands of. Um, working in, in, in entertainment and, and in the arts. So um, yeah. kind of before we let you go and we'll play one of your other songs, um, do you have any advice for particularly young women or young musicians who are um, really trying to get to a spot where they can, you know, realize their, their dream and, and, and keep up with it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, persistence and dedication are two very big words that will definitely see you through to your goals and your dreams becoming reality. You know, uh, I've definitely had my fair share of men in the industry who, you know, one man, one guy heard I worked at Hyde Street Studios at the time. It was like nine years or 10 years. And he said, oh, do you work at the front desk? 
Uh-huh. And I seriously really wanted to hit him, like violently be upset with him. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> Let me ask you a question. What else do people do here? Because they don't pay at the front desk. So what is a job that you that people do here? You know, and, and this man took a really a while, a long, hard thought in his brain to really come to the conclusion that I was an engineer. And, you know, so that stuck with me, obviously. And I just feel like, you know, there's always going to be some dude who just doesn't see you for who you are. And that's what, you know, that's what kind of keeps me going in a way because I'm like, wow, they really know who I am and that's okay. You know, they'll eventually figure it out if they really want to get to know me. And so for for me, like, I just feel like I have to believe in myself, in what I'm doing, and I can't look to other people to give me that, you know, I have to know, okay, I know what I'm doing. I have to know where I want to go, you know, and that just helps me keep grounded because in it's really such a male-dominated industry, and so constantly I'm working much harder than people and even being put on festival bills, you know, it's like, well, they already have a female on the bill. So how am I going to get on it too? You know, um, it's kind of like really raising my voice and trying to talk to all these different people that I deal with in the industry of like booking shows and in the industry of being an engineer and a producer, just continuing to have a voice keeps me heard by everyone, you know, and when I really get down to it, everyone does want to include me, you know, so it's not really that, like, the men don't want to include me, it's really just that I have to be persistent and say, like, no, I belong here, you know, and they might not be used to it yet, but they're starting to get used to it, and I feel like, you know, it's a much more respectful environment today than it was 11 years ago. So I just have to say, you know, to all the women out there that are looking for a career in engineering, producing, or in performing, is just to keep doing it and be the best at what you do. And no one will be able to deny your power, you know, if you really hold it. Right on, Pamela Parker. So many good good uh, things to share. Um, we'll totally direct people to your website, Pamela Parker Rocks. Dot com, which is absolutely true um, for upcoming shows, right? That's where people can check in there too. And you're also on Instagram at Pamela Parker Rocks. Um, so yeah. uh, we've just been so blessed to have you today. And I'm going to play another one of your songs. And Mari's got a, a, a comment to throw in towards the end here. No, I was going to say, just keep persisting. I mean, I've talked to female fronted uh, singers and um you know, a lot of the men have a hard time even um, being part of a female-fronted band. Um, you know, I've had singers, female singers tell me that, you know, when they interview guitarists, they're like, well, I'm sorry, I can't be a part of a band that's fronted by a female. And, you know, there's wow. really is a much more persistence um, as a woman in the music industry. So props to you, you know, keep going. Thank and I you. know that sometimes it gets tough, but it's so important that you just, you know, 
be this great example of passion and persistence and inspiration. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and I just want to say, too, I feel really blessed with the members in my band because they're so respectful and they're so talented and it really is a team effort with my band. Um, you know, I have Chris McGrew on the drum, um, Spence Murray on the bass, and Tom Finch on the guitar, and then I play guitar and piano as well. So, you know, me and Tom do dueling leads, and then he also takes a lots and lots of burn-in leads. You know, he's amazing. And um, I feel so, well, again, I really just feel blessed <laughs> to have these guys in my court, you know, in my corner. And um, I was going to mention, too, we're going to be playing at Earth Day on April 20th in San Francisco. So that's definitely going to be our next San Francisco show. Right on. And that and that's uh, Pamela Parker's Fantastic Machine? Right, yeah. The Fantastic Machine is the name of the album. Oh, okay. And then, yeah, the band is just Pamela Parker. But, you know, for a brief moment, we were doing Pamela Parker's Fantastic Machine just to kind of have a more fun name. You know, I, I like that name. The guys kind of just like my name is the band name. So that's <laughs> funny because I asked them to come up with a name. And they came up with my name. <laughs> so they were like, yeah, we just like your name. It sounds like a superhero. So well, you, you know, I felt like, okay, let's keep it. <laughs> well, you are a superhero, a super shero of rock and roll. Pamela Parker rocks, no doubt. So um, I'm going to play your song Fearless. And then we're getting a, another call in on this women in rock and roll show. So thank I'm you ready. so much again. Look forward to seeing you soon. We'll see you at Earth Day, if not before then. All right, thank you. Thank you. And this is a song by Pamela Parker called Fearless, appropriately enough. What you gonna do? 
right. You are listening to Women's Magazine. I'm Global Val. We're here at Mutiny Radio Studios here in San Francisco's Mission District. And it's a beautiful day. We're talking to women who rock uh, and uh, women in the music industry. So we have a call coming in right now um, from Shoshana Zisk, who's the co-producer of the SF Music Tech Summit. Um, She's also an entertainment lawyer, and um, she has been the CEO for ticketing and uh, affairs for George Clinton, um, and uh, she's also been, um, she's currently or recently the musical director for Rent, uh, the musical, uh, both here in San Francisco and in Hollywood, California. Um, so many um, experiences and and you know, both musical and legal and, and in the business world of music. Um, so Shauna Zisk, thank you so much for calling in from across the country, I believe. Yes, you're welcome. Yeah, I'm on the East Coast uh, at the moment. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, and I know you've got, we've got kind of a limited time that, that for this afternoon, but maybe we'll be able to stretch our legs in a, in a subsequent um, interview. But um, we're talking today about uh, women in rock and roll, so to speak. Um, but you as a, you know, as a, as a, a musician yourself, um, a performer, a musical director, but also as an entertainment lawyer, um, how, what are some, what are some of the challenges that you see um, for entertainers? Uh, you mean just just today? Well, yeah. you know what? I think the challenges that we're facing now are a little bit different than the challenges that I faced at the beginning of my career. So at the beginning of my career, um, through you know through the '90s and just while it was still just CD, it was really really hard to get onto the playing field because there were these bottlenecks that either an A&R person had to decide that you would be recorded or there's only so many shelves in the music store, you know. And today is a different challenge because now the playing field is leveled. Um, so anybody can make a website or go to DistroKid or TuneCore and they can, anybody can get their music up online. But now the trick is how do you get noticed? How do you get the popular? And I think that's really what the challenge is now is just when, ev- when everybody can can be in the in the music industry how do you how do you set yourself apart so how does the music tech summit support artists well we actually support the whole ecosystem so my goal in producing the sf music tech summit was to really get together the community um not just the tech community not just the music community but everybody in the whole ecosystem um we were finding before we started producing the sf music tech summit that everybody would go to austin for south by southwest just to see each other and have meetings and so there really was a need to have something where people can get together in san francisco uh we're working on right now our 20th sf music tech summit so we've done a lot of them and i really feel that a vibrant community um, did form, and I've seen a lot of people get together. Um, when we did our first conference, for example, uh, Pandora was a sponsor, and they were just a music genome project, and that was it. Just the, They were just getting the DNA from the songs, and after a certain number, now they're a publicly traded company, and then they were acquired already by, you know, just a lot of different things and a lot of different changes, you know, in the landscape, but the important thing is getting everybody together and that's what as an artist sometimes you can feel really isolated you can go to other people's shows maybe you could have band practices but it's not the same as going and there's a thousand people and all interested in talking to each other and 
trying to do deals with each other, trying to create projects with each other, and that's really what the summit provides. So, um, since since we're here on Women's Magazine today, um, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, kind of, from your perspective, at least at this point in time, um, what are some of the ways that women musicians, uh, particularly, are are thriving in their professions? What are some of the keys that are that are helping them really, um, you know, do what they do and do what they want to do, and also, you know, do it professionally because a lot of musicians obviously do it as a side thing. You know, they have you know quote unquote day jobs, um, but there's so many talented people out there who, like yourself, um, you know, want to pursue their art and 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 make it their lifestyle. Yes. And you know what? That's one of the things that I'm noticing a lot more about the, the next generation coming up. It's every millennial that I've met has a side hustle. Everybody has the job that they do, and then the other job they're doing on the side at home or their website or their, you know, and their thing that they're working on. And so, whereas I think that, uh, you know, in, in younger times that people would pick one career and just sort of be like, this is me, this is my identity. And I think that as time has evolved, at least in my career, I'm seeing a lot of people that are wearing a lot of different hats. And it's very rare to see somebody just say, I'm just purely a musician, you know, and that's it. And I don't want to think about marketing. I don't want to think about the computer. I don't want to think, you know, that's, I I don't see that at all anymore, you know. So I definitely feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of space for women in, in the music industry now. And it's, and you don't really have these gatekeepers either that are sort of telling women they can be in it or they can't be in it or you have to be hired or you have, you know what I mean? It's just like you can just decide you want to be in the music industry and there's room for you uh, now. So it's kind of like a great time, I think, for women. Well, I think with the Internet also, it's allowed women to be more entrepreneurial uh, as far as having their own business and being able to go directly to fans instead of having to go through maybe a record label. Um, a lot of women are kind of doing it on their own now. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, now we can go ahead and reach people from other countries just through our computer. And that just yes. makes it so much easier and so much more direct, right? You don't have to I go have- through all of the, the middlemen or the middle people. Well, I also think the art is getting better because of it, right? Because if the way the system was before, if you wanted to get recognized, you had to somehow persuade an A&R person or persuade a record label based on your commercial viability. And now all you have to do is connect with your fans, find your fans, and that's who you're, really, that's who you're making art for, or for the people who you're connecting with, not for the people that you think are judging you. So I really feel like the art is getting better, too. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It opens up creativity and free mm-hmm. expression and yeah. uniqueness because with the internet, it's just, there's room for everybody, right? You yeah. just got to find your tribe, you know, or, yes. and your fans. Yes. And so, so Shana, Shoshana, I'm sorry. Um, and, and that's, that's Mari Fong. She's, she's here in studio with me today. Um, she's, uh, someone who supports artists and, and musicians, both as a professional coach and, and also has, has been as a, as a journalist as well. Um, so I, I'm really happy to have so many professional women in the music world, um, as part of this show today. Um, so I, I'm really, um, inspi- encouraged and inspired, and I hope our listeners are as well, um, by what you were saying about not having to, you know, fit into a particular category just to get to the next level, um, how we have this, the internet being the, the leveler, um, yes. 
But um, and and if you have another minute or so, um, what kind of advice or um, perhaps even cautions would you give to some up and come or you know people who are starting out and trying to get their name out there? Um, I, I guess kind of from you know that more. Um, functional legal perspective of people who want to make sure that they're, um, you know, kind of getting their fair share for their art. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so the first piece of advice that I would have would be, um, which may be unrelated, but to, to go out and go to other people's shows. Don't just try to get people to live in your world, but try to live in other people's world as well so that you're not just, uh, you know, like looking out at the ecosystem, but that you're part of it, you're a productive part of it. And so not just going to other people's shows, but also going to conferences, also going to songwriting workshops, going to just getting out there, getting out there and socializing with other people that care about music the way that you do. And you'll find your opportunities that way. You'll find your best friends that way. You may, you know, uh, you may find that your whole career gets shaped by just your networking. Uh, so that would be my one piece of advice is to make sure that you're not just in your room practicing all the time, but you do get out. And then the other piece of advice that's more like lawyerly um, advice is that I know a, a lot of people do wait still for that contract or somebody that believes in them and wants to give them, a, you know, uh, be their manager or be their, you know, and that um, – my advice would be not to look so much at the contract, what the contract says, what the terms are, what's within the four corners of that document, but always think about who this person is that's giving me the contract. Because you could have a contract that's bad, but a person that's really great and your life is going to be really good. You can have a great contract, but a person who's kind of a stinker and it's not going to be good. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so it's not just getting good legal advice and just looking at what's within the documents that you get, but really thinking about the people and the personalities of the people that, that you'll be working with. And that's really where the true opportunity is, is that when you find somebody that cares about your music and you also feel bonded to them, then that, that's really when you're going to find yourself catapulting to the next level. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, so when is the next um, SF Music Tech Summit coming up and how can people it connect? Been, it hasn't been announced yet. Okay. Um, but but we will be announcing it soon. The best thing that you could do is go to sfmusictech.com and join our mailing list. And we will be making an announcement soon. And then you'll know. If it, or you can like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter, SF Music Tech. Fantastic. Shoshana Zisk, thank you so much for calling in from the East Coast um, to hear yeah. at Mutiny Radio, uh, FM. We'll be sharing the podcast um, after uh, the show. So thank you so much, and we'll, we'll chat again, I hope. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. bye-bye. <laughs> well, Mari, we're having a fun afternoon here on Women's Magazine. <laughs> yes, we are. We've got we're a- learning a lot, and uh, lots of education, a lot of knowledge from these beautiful, talented women. Absolutely. So you've been here, you know, participating and listening. Um, Is there anything that that's come up this afternoon that um, kind of ties into some of some of the things that you're working on or things that you're, you know, concerned about or opening up to at this time? Well, one thing that I've that I kind of relate to is um, I've talked to female uh, singers and interviewed them. And a lot of them will say, you know, once they get on stage, uh, they feel like people will look at them just because they're a woman. Like, what do you have for me? You know, 
show me what you got without having like a neutral uh, just view of, you know, of a talented musician. So there's always kind of like a proving ground, I think, for women in music um, because, you know, we are a minority. I mean, even if you go into um, Guitar Center, it always seems like I'm the only woman out there that's just, you know, getting gear or asking questions and so forth. And um, that's why I like um, organizations uh, like that put on the She Rocks Awards where they support and encourage women in rock, uh, whether it's business or whether it's uh, being an artist or musician are so important because it's it's great to be able to share, share stories and encourage each other and just uh, continue to persist. And uh, what about your own kind of, you know, personal experience um, working with musicians and as a journalist, too, and as a photographer? Um, how, how do you feel like you are received in certain ways? And what are some of the ways that you have kind of broken through some barriers in that regard? Well, I feel like, uh, first of all, I was fortunate enough to work for a media company that didn't put the same kind of pressures as maybe some other companies did on trying to get the gossip or mm. get like the dirt on a band. Um, I was really free to kind of interview and uh, really find out the information that I wanted to, that I was curious about. And I think with that, um, and with more of a caring uh, nature about me and curious nature, uh, a lot of bands um, would open up to me and tell me things that they said, I've never told that to any other journalist. And I felt really honored and flattered by that. But they said that they sensed um, trust with me hmm. and um, that I would be open with them as far as non-judgmental. And... Um, you know, that's how I, I normally would would approach a band or an, or an artist. Uh, I do feel like people have something that they really want to say, and it's just having that open forum to allow them to express that. Um, so I, th I think being a woman and um, having that, you know, caring, curious nature has allowed people, more people to open up and just tell their stories. I, I, I'm with you on that. I feel like... Um when you're willing to just kind of open it up and listen to people, mm -hmm. that's when they end up talking about things that they weren't really planning or even thinking about sharing um, and, and kind of creating a forum for that. And so how's that playing out in your work right now as a professional coach and working with people, uh, especially trying to support people's um, and specifically artists and musicians um, like mental health and work-life balance? Um, how's that How's that? Uh, yeah, tell us because we were chatting before the show, right? But I want you to tell our, our our listeners out there kind of what you've seen and and how how that's working for people. Well, I think one thing that you keyed in on is listening, and um, it's so important to listen not only to people's words but to their nonverbal communication. Um, I am an advocate for musicians and mental health. Um, I have spoken with artists um, like Chris Cornell and Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park and um, finding out that they've hurt themselves um, through um, struggles with depression and uh, eventually being suicidal uh, really affected me. And I felt like 
if we're able to open up more and talk more about what's going on with people and also be able to actively listen, um, that we can help all of these artists and musicians that are secretly struggling. And I do think that there are signs out there that people are missing. Um, and I would like to see it so that I'd like to see a society where um, people in general, especially men, can come out and uh, find support and encouragement um, if they're struggling uh, mentally with their mental health. And it happens with all of us. But I think as women, we are fortunate enough to have a strong support system. We come to each other if we have a, a problem, if there's something that's going on in our lives, and that's completely natural for us. If we need help, we can go to a doctor and we could feel good about it. You know, we feel that we're doing the intelligent, smart thing to ask for help. However, with men, you'll find statistically um, there are higher suicide rates within men because they don't have that support system. They're being asked to um, don't talk about it, you know, buck up, you know, get over it. Mm -hmm. uh, hey, let's go out for a drink. Let's go to the game. I mean, these are the ways... Um, Men deal with things, they say, on a side-by-side -side basis. Let's say, you know, sit next to me and, you know, let's maybe push it under the rug and try to forget about it instead of really listening and dealing with what's going on with that person. And that's what that person really needs, especially if they've come to you as a man um, and said, hey, you know, I'm having um, problems uh, at home or with my girlfriend. We need to know how to respond to that. Um, and also talk about solutions. You know, what is it that has helped you uh, or I in, in dealing with these challenges? And, you know, help them find guidance and lend support. Yeah, and I... I I'm obviously I, I can feel your warm energy and why people would, you know, want to talk to you and trust you. Um, and we just have a few more minutes here on, on women's magazine today. Um, but I think that it is a really important conversation to be having, um, to not only see the signs, which maybe you can, um, talk to for a moment, um, but also to kind of have more resources, you know, just as, as individuals, you know, if a friend comes to talk to you, um, how do you, you know, help, help them other than just like listening, you know, listening mm -hmm. is, is a great step. Um, but I feel like when we see instances where, you know, we have a, a famous person who has died by overdose or suicide or something that it becomes this tragic event. But and, and we start talking about, oh, well, mental health is important, but then the buck kind of stops there and we never kind of pushes it forward to say, well, what kind of support do people need? Well, that's the thing is that um, even if we're just talking about depression and anxiety, there's so many different solutions and there's so many different reasons why somebody is struggling. It's not necessarily trauma or um, a shock in, in their life, uh, maybe a death, but it can also be a chronic illness. It could be hormonal changes. It could be um, so many different things. So I want people to really open up and realize that um, these symptoms of, you know, maybe withdrawing, um, being overworked, uh, you know, just um, really disconnecting from society. These are all things, they're, they're all red flags. 
Um, as far as solutions go, um, you know, there's simple lifestyle changes, uh, whether it's health, um, supplements. I mean, I've, I've gone through and had, um, different testing, allergy testing to find out what minerals and vitamins that I was deficient in, deficient in, um, along with different, um, foods that I'm allergic to. And these all affect your body, which all affect your organs and your mind. Um, medication, you know, I don't want to discount medication. Of course, all of us, you know, would like to think that we can go through things in a natural way. But if medication, antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications are helping you, then be open to that or be open to trying that. And of course, you know, um, talking with people, uh, reaching out to support groups uh, like depression, I'm Bipolar uh, Support Alliance. There's different organizations that can be anon where you can call in anonymously. Um, those are people that are open to talk with you, along with other people that are struggling with some of the same symptoms, which really makes you feel more connected when you're in a really bad place. Mm -hmm. And when you're in a really ba bad place, you do feel con disconnected from society, no matter how many loving, supporting people are around you. So, um, you know, the thing is, is, is really to keep trying and to continue to be persistent. Well, Mari, I, I really appreciate you being here on Women's Magazine today. Um, where can people find some of the articles that you've written or where, where's a good place to kind of find out um, more about your work or connect with you? Well, um, you can go on campuscircle.com. Um, there's an archive of um, a lot of my articles.
struggling for our freedom. So I am a refugee. Women of hope and courage, living through poverty, fleeing from war and terror. So I am a refugee. Magazine. This is Global Val here from the studios of MutinyRadio.fm here in San Francisco's Mission District. Of course, this is also a project of KPFA 94.1 FM Women's Magazine. And uh, I'm really excited uh, to be here. Happy Friday to everybody. It is December 15th, 2017. And uh, I'm really pleased because here on Women's Magazine, we like to focus on human rights, women's rights, things that affect everyone, like the environment um, and, and laws that either benefit or act against uh, the human spirit and, and all, all, of, all of those things that support uh, creativity and community. So really happy to be here this Friday. Um, you know, at this point in time, as the conversation about feminism, the conversation about women's rights, um, the conversation about culture in relation to women and women's rights is so, uh, it's riding pretty high right now um, for many, many reasons. And so I'm really pleased uh, to welcome uh, my guest today. Um, because we don't, we also need to have the perspective of what's going on, not just of course here in the United States, but around the world. Um, so my guest today is um, Sama Damanhuri, and she is from uh, Saudi Arabia. She's an international scholar who's just finished up her master's degree in creative writing at Notre Dame de, Den de Nemours here in Belmont, California, and. Uh, 
she's got a lot of amazing projects on hand. Um, one of her short stories is being made into an animated short and uh, many other projects in the wings. And uh, she's launched, she and a friend have launched a suite of websites called We Are Saudis to try to bring the voices of the budding Saudi feminist movement out of the dark to support human rights around the world and in Saudi Arabia and for the women who live there and are from there. Welcome, Sama. Thank you, Valerie. It's such a pleasure to have you here today. Um, so you have a pretty amazing story of leaving Saudi Arabia, coming to the United States, and having uh, so many really hard decisions to make in terms of how you want to live your life. But I'd like to step back a little bit so that we can give people an idea, a better idea, a, a clearer picture of what, it, what, it's, what life is like for a woman in Saudi Arabia. There's the male guardianship law, uh, which means that women need to be accompanied by a male uh, guardian or family member at pretty much at all times. Yeah. Um, tell us more about that male guardianship law and how that affects the lives of women in Saudi Arabia. I can answer that by telling you my story. Okay. Since it's related to male guardianship uh, system. So um, it took me a year and a half to cross the border of Saudi um, because I needed my father's signature to uh, come here and get my master's in creative writing. Um, and then when I came here, um, my father, within um, a year and a half of my, of my arrival to the United States, uh, he canceled the scholarship. Uh, he ordered me to go back and get married and arrange marriage, and then I can do whatever I want. He wanted me to stop my um, my master's and stop my education just for his own um, power and orders. But I refused that. Therefore, um, by the male guardianship law, um, if I disobey any order from my male guardian, then everything should be canceled, like financial support, um, even blessing from my parents. And as part of that system of law or there, there are so many other aspects of, of your life, of, of women's lives that are controlled by men. Can you go a little deeper into what they are in terms of permission to work and to travel and how that affects day-to-day -day life or, or even bigger things? Even simple things. Um, women cannot even leave their houses without a male permission. Uh, they cannot study, they cannot work, they cannot even cross the border, travel uh, without a male permission. And it's really difficult. It's all based on male pleasure and their mood. Even when I used to live in Saudi, I had to choose the right time to talk to my father. And if he was in a bad mood, then that's it. I would just cancel all my plans and stay home. And if I disobey him by any chance, just raising my voice or... Being a stubborn, uh, my simplest punishment is just being locked up, locked up at the house. Like li literally locked up at the house. Literally locked up at the house, not even having the key to leave. And I, I, 
I mean, this is, I'm glad we're having this conversation today um, because I think there are a lot of misconceptions or things that are just not understood about what it, what it means to be a woman in Saudi Arabia and from Saudi Arabia. Now, you've also said that kind of as you got a bit older, you would spend time with friends kind of behind your parents' back, and you also realized that other people were doing the same thing. How, did that, how does that work? I mean, obviously, I know as an American how to do things behind my parents' back, but um, in, in, a, in the society that we're talking about, it seems very closed and very restricted. It's very close and very t restricted. You're right. Um, everything is based on the religion and the, the government law. Um, so we have to wear the hijab and cover our faces and work in uh, non-mixed places, meaning only women uh, companies or schools. Um, and um, I have to, like, it was it was very difficult. And, and after I finished my bachelor, I felt that I had enough or just following rules. And and I felt that it was the right time for me to answer all the questions that was in my head all this time. Like, why should I wear the hijab? Why should I pray? Um, why should I follow the cultural rules? It was, it was annoying. And I used to have migraine, nonstop headaches. It's like I was really tired. And I was like, okay, let me just have two lives lives in front of my parents and my culture that I am this well-behaved woman and the other one is behind their back where I work at the places that I really, really liked working like marketing and event planning and hanging out with my friends and then I, I got even worse I was like I was I was in a really horrible situation and I felt that this is not the place that I should be. I should be somewhere else. I should be honest. I should be straightforward. Mm -hmm. So so then uh, when you were realizing that you wanted to live an, uh, this honest life and to be truthful about who you are and how you feel, um, what, what were the next steps for you? How did you decide to come to the United States? And how, what was the process like for you to, to, to leave? It all started because I started working in marketing and event planning, and then I became a manager of a, a company um, in marketing and event planning. And I felt that I knew nothing about this field, and I felt that I needed an international experience. So I was like, why not studying abroad? And uh, once I brought this idea just uh, as a joke in front of my father, he went so, so angry. And he was like, don't even think about it. Don't even dream about it. It's impossible that you'll make it. And then my sister was like, why not? Like, let her just apply for this scholarship program. Maybe she'll get married if she apply. And I was like, my father was like, oh, she's getting married? Then yeah, 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 she can apply for this scholarship program. And then for a year and a half, um, I got a lot of proposals. I was looking around and through relatives and uncles and mother's side, father's side, just to find one male guardian that can come with me so I can just get my master's and go back home. That's all I wanted. And everyone was just busy. And whenever I get a proposal, I feel like I'm so suffocated. I'm really putting myself into a, 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 a prison, inside a prison, my family and the husband. So I was really scared. 
And I was like, this is not me. I'm not ready to get married. I'm not ready to be responsible for another person. I need to solve myself and, and just answers all the questions that was in my head. And then day by day, my father saw this girl who's been crying every single day and I became really depressed, locked myself in my room for almost a year doing nothing. All I wanted is just to get my master's. And then one of my mother's uncle was like, if you go right now to the United States and stay there for a year, I can come after that and, and be there with you. And my father was like, okay, that's fine. Then I'll take her to the United States, stay with her for five days. And then whenever this mother's uncle is available, he'll come and, and stay with me. But then he didn't. <laughs> And things got really worse, and my father thought that I made up, made it all up, and um, therefore he canceled the scholarship. Wait, so, so who accompanied you out of the country? Did anyone? My father came with me. Your father, your father came with you. That's another he rule. He brought you. That's another rule of the scholarship, by the way, program, that if I come here and if I am a female and I come here, I have to prove that my male guardian, who approved for me to get the scholarship is to be with me here for at least for one day and then he can do he can go back wow okay so your father finally said okay i'll take you as long as your mother's uncle comes and he'll be coming soon yes but then that uncle never came no so then you ended up living here on your own yes here in san francisco in the bay area yes Wow. Okay. So how long did it take before your family found out that your that the uncle hadn't come and that you were living alone? It took a month after my arrival. My father called called this uncle and my father is a somehow a, a rude man and he's very very powerful and and it's due to his work and to his life and his um, status back home so he was a little bit arrogant and my mother's uncle was annoyed by his reactions and therefore he just canceled it in front of him he was like oh I'm not going and then my father thought that I lied to him and I made it all up just for me to run away which was not the plan wow so you were implicated in as in a lie that was not uh, not yeah. actually a lie. Yeah. Hmm. So what happened next? Um, he got uh, so angry. Um, he told my siblings that he really hated me. It was the first time he ever said it. Um, I know my father. He's uh, he's a very uh, stubborn, aggressive, angry man. But uh, he would never say I hate you unless he really means it. It really put me down. And then I, I realized that if... What do I want to do? Do I want to go back home and get my father's uh, father and mother blessings, or should I stay here and finish my master's? And um, it was really hard because my siblings are like my kids. Um, I somehow raised them. Um, I come from a really abusive uh, family. My parents are always fighting. They never cared if we were home or not. Um, and then I decided that I should stay here and finish my education. Yeah, and at that point, it almost sounds like it would be 
the safest thing for you to do in terms of making sure that you're uh, I mean, f physically, you know, safe in a place, but also uh, free to finish your master's degree and um, see see your see your goal through. Yeah. These are some really t difficult decisions I know you, you've you've had to make. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the family dynamics and and what has happened with your family uh, since your father? canceled your scholarship? Um, once he canceled the scholarship, I called his mother crying. I was like, I have no money. I have no scholarship. I have no house, nothing. What should I do? So she asked my father that he should fly here to Washington and sign papers um, at the Saudi embassy in Washington to get me my scholarship back. But he was like, no, I'm not going to fly to Samaa. No, I'll never do that. I can just send a fax. He sent a fax, but the government was like, no, it's not like that. You have to fly here. Um, but he said no, and then one of my uncles was like, you know what, I can fly um, to Washington since I'm retired and I'm old and I have nothing, but you should give me one thing in return, that you should sleep with me. And then uh, my mother after that, um, uh, I was talking to her once and she got so angry and pissed. Um, and she was like, you know what, I'm not gonna never talk to you again, you're, you're a biatch, you're a liar. Um, don't put me between you and your father. And um, I had three cousins. Uh, so I used to live in San Francisco when my father canceled the scholarship. And I had three cousins that they lived um, five blocks away from my home. Um, they just blocked me everywhere. They just don't want to talk to me. They don't want to support me. But once they heard that my father canceled the scholarship, they just came. I, I, I don't know. I think just to make fun of me, it was, it was weird. But everyone literally just abandoned me back home. And the, I think the, the gravity of the situation, like just how heavy that is. Um, what did, I mean, what did you think you were gonna do at that point? Like when you had your family who was, you know, shaming you, mocking you, turning their backs. Uh, what? I mean, obviously, I know you were just probably just devastated. But then what was your first thought about where, where do I go next? What do I do next? How did you find your way out of that? There was a very annoying, clear voice in my head that was just saying one word, wait. Just wait. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll wait a month and then two months and then three months. And I was like, that's it, enough. Like. I really had enough of waiting. I could not take it anymore. Um, I became very depressed. Um, I was bleeding for a whole month. Um, I locked myself in a room. Um, I, I just, I, I wish that I, you know, I was dead. I didn't want to live the life anymore. And um, also, once I realized that. That I can. Um, I can never see my siblings again. My brain just shut down. Like I, for like eight months, I couldn't even form a language, Arabic nor English. It was like no language. Were you still in school at this point? You were still doing your master's degree? Actually, I finished my master's last week. Congratulations. Thank you.
That's amazing. Um, and you got your master's in creative writing. Yes. And I think that, or I see in what I've learned from you is that your art and your writing have been, you've been telling your story in many different ways. Yes. And as I saw you come in here today to Mutiny Radio, and I saw you just very bright and, uh, you know, like ebullient and excited and, and definitely not, you know, the... Um, definitely in a, in, a, in a much better place. So let's talk about your art. Let's talk about um, this community that you found through your master's program, um, because I think that's the, the next step really in the story is to talk about how you're still here. Yeah. <laughs> after all that. Um, well, my supervisor at the university, Jackie Berger, um, she's the first one who like, stood up for me and never left. She's always around. She's always making sure that I am being helped and I am on the right track. I really wanted to leave my master's. I just wanted to apply for asylum and, you know, be a regular immigrant who work in a restaurant <laughs> and wait for asylum. But my Jackie was like, no, you're getting your master's because you need it so, be, so you can get a good job here. Um, and she started to introduce me to people. How about we talk to this person? How about um, uh, we, we, you know, you work here? Or um, how about we um, do a GoFundMe page? And she was always around. And one day she was like, um, you know what? I, I, Jim McGarry works at Notre Dame de Namur and, uh, and I think he can help you. So her and I went to Jim McGarry's office and uh, I told him my story and he was like, you know what, um, I think I know someone. His name is Larry Parcell. He works at the Catholic Workers' House in Redwood City and they offer housing, food, and, 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 and they, they can also grant a scholarship for you if, if, if that's possible. And then he was like, I think I heard that there is a one room available two weeks ago, but I'm not sure if it's available right now or not. Let me just talk to him. He talked to him and he was like, yeah, it's still available. So we went the next day, Jim McGarry, Jackie Berger, and me to the Catholic Workers' House. We had the interview and um, and then it's after that, just like a, a, a big door just opened. I, I started to know more people through their networks and and the donors, they came, paid the tuition, and then other people heard the story. They were like, oh my gosh, a Saudi woman, we're gonna get her car. And then other people, oh my gosh, a Saudi woman, free boxing classes and just like people just coming in coming in we're here for you we're gonna support you that's that's amazing as i was reading your 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 story you know um as we've been communicating before before today and talking about all the you know the the scholarships the food the boxing classes to get out the stress right the um the car that was um, donated yeah. for, for you to be able to, to live your life. And I was like, wow, this, this woman is like born under a bit of a lucky star in a way, um, just being touched by all these people and, and kind of like who are drawn to you and your light and your creativity and seeing that uh, the need and uh, also knowing that you're giving back. But also we discovered in this very small world, because it is a small world, we're here in San Francisco, um, Sama and I, and uh, 
Jim McGarry was my high school religion teacher at St. Ignatius College Prep here in San Francisco. So I saw the name Jim McGarry and the with Lawrence Purcell, uh, and I said, wait a second. I think I know exactly who that is. And sure enough, um, my old social justice religion teacher, Jim McGarry, is the same, one and the same. So we, we have that connection here. Yeah. Isn't uh, he, he a great guy? Yeah, he was amazing. He always tried to instill in us a sense of social justice and um, tell us about things that were happening around the world that were very far outside um, the mind of an American 15-year-old. Um, so, uh, Mr. McGarry, I, I definitely tried my hardest to, to uh, pay attention and learn about East Timor uh, back in the 90s. Um, and actually, I have a friend who was uh, did her master's in peace and conflict studies and was uh, doing um, post-conflict photography in East Timor. So, thanks, Jim. Um, but Sama, it's amazing. So you you come from you come from Saudi Arabia, a Muslim country, oppressive towards women. You come to the United States. Family says we we can't we can't support you anymore. And then you find yourself with the Catholic workers. Um, what an interesting kind of wave of experience um, to, to cross those cultural lines, the, the religious lines, and, and all of those things. Um, I think it's wonderful to sh- that it shows that, you know, doesn't matter, you know, the religious part doesn't matter, but community matters and, and what people feel is right and to help one another, that kind of golden rule or that, uh, you know, just that willingness to, to, um, to, to support, um, our fellow human beings. It's really amazing. It is. It is. So you've been, so the community rallied around you as well. They should. Um, and you finished your master's degree last week. Yes. Congratulations again on that. So you, and it's in creative writing. So you have some really interesting projects coming up. There's a short story that you've written um, that is currently being made into an animated short. Tell us about that story and uh, the, where that is in the process. Um, I wrote this story um, in January, 2016, before I went to Egypt uh, where I visit, uh, I visited my family after two years apart, and um, being two years apart, I I've totally changed. Um, I mean, I'm no longer Muslim. I I I believe in you know other things right now, and I I I just changed, and I was a little bit scared of how my family would react to that, and I just wanted to show them that even though I've changed. But I still carry the same love and respect for them. So I wrote a story. This is about a white paper that used to live in a world that made of paper and only color they know is white. And they made them believe and if they touch any new color is poisonous. Uh, therefore, they should be cut by the scissor. And they have hearts on their chest indicates that if it turns into gray, means they touch colors. Therefore, they should be Dutch, uh, dead, I'm sorry, but if it's white, it means they are okay. And they were not allowed to leave this world. Only a few papers were allowed to leave the world just to collect more papers so they can build more stuff in the world. Uh, the main character is the long paper. He was one of the few paper, uh, papers were allowed to leave the world, and one day uh, he was out, a hurricane happened, it took him to a new world. 
it was very colorful. Um, at the beginning, he was very scared to touch any colors, but curiosity was stronger than anything. So he touched colors, uh, he became colorful, except one place was white, his heart. Um, he's gonna find his way uh, back home. Uh, he's gonna choose to go back home and um, show everyone that being colorful is not poisonous. And right now, I actually, um, we are a team of six people who are working on it. Um, they are very passionate about the story. We are working on the uh, short animated movie, but um, the team believe um, once we're done with that, we can uh, make a, a longer feature film, a comic book series, and a video game out of the story. Amazing. Samal, you're so inspiring um, to so many to so many people and uh, obviously you know your stories and and what you're sharing are are gathering people around you who want to be a part of it um, want to be help you uh, to elevate voice your voice um, your story but also the story of so many people and so many women um, so I know that you, you also have other projects kind of in the works um, as well, which are very exciting. And I'm sure next time when you have more on that, you can come back. But you also have taken it on yourself as well. You and a friend have started a website, kind of a suite of websites called We Are Saudis. Yes. Um, .org is in, in English, that one that you're building right now. Yes. And then there's two others, .com and .net, more supportive of people inside Saudi Arabia and in Arabic, right? So yes. please tell us about uh, We Are Saudis and what you're trying to do with these uh, with these channels of communication? Um, so this website um, idea came um, because of um, all the Saudi refugees all over the world. Um, we just want to gather all the, the the sounds of aches and, and pain, um, whether it's outside of Saudi or inside in one place. Because we have a Saudi activist um, in, in Snapchat only, and some in, tw in Twitter and others on Instagram. And it's really hard for a Saudi to you know, follow all that and be in, you know, updated of all their, their, um, you know, activities and, and support. So we came up with this idea that we have to have one website that gather all that in one place. And, and each of one of us right now, we are like more than five people so far. So each one of us, um, gather to work on this website with uh, one goal. So for me, um, why I was really excited about this website, I just want to show my parents and everyone who left me back home that I understand. I really understand. I understand that they are going through a lot. And um, the culture and the religion and the law back home forced them to do a lot of things that they were, it was just not logic. And it was against what they really wanted to do. And the only language for them to show me that they are in pain is just being hatred and aggressive. So I just wanna, uh, my part will focus on helping Saudis mentally and emotionally. I will collaborate with Powerhouse Gym. We're gonna create exercises, um, for, especially for women, because uh, gym is like a taboo uh, for women uh, in Saudi. And um, I'm, I'm also gonna try to make a small YouTube videos or like clips to how um, they can think differently. And I have another partner who's gonna focus um, on uh, women's uh, rights in Saudi. She's gonna gather all the stories that, the ugly stories that it's 
only popular in the Arabic social media, and we weren't translated into English. Um, that's what, um, and also we're gonna uh, post the news. Oh, no. um, and uh, for example, recently Saudi Arabia announced that women can drive, but. Um, how can I start? <laughs> yeah, we were we were talking about this. So, yes, the a very recent announcement, right? There's kind of this young prince, this crown prince, um, who uh, is only 32 years old, uh -huh. just younger than I am, um, and kind of has this air of opening up society in a sense. So there was a declaration made within the past couple of months. It was September 26th. And you know that date because October 26th was supposed to be a big significant day. So, yep. so they made an announcement September 26th saying, women will be able to drive in June of 2018. Tell us about- Period. Yes, <laughs> dot. And now dot, dot, dot. So yeah, let's talk about this. Um, now, Sadi, women can drive, which we, is not true, uh, not true yet, and may in fact not actually happen. So let's talk about that because there was a big campaign to, to push for that. Yeah. Um, so they announced, um, actually, before that, we are the Saudi women, uh, the Saudi women refugees all over the world. Um, they were uh, trying their best to do a huge campaign on October 26th, encouraging the Saudi women in Saudi to take their male guardian uh, cars and drive and, you know, um, uh, video uh, the, themselves driving and then posted on social media and not only that they also were in touch with the biggest news all over the world like BBC um, ABC just name it the biggest news in the whole world so we feel that we are so confident that this time the whole world is going to know how women are really um, submissive and suppressive in this um, community. And the government somehow was a little bit scared and they were like, oh, oh my gosh, you know, everyone is going to know how horrible we are. So they chose exactly a month before our campaign to announce that women can drive. And People all over the world like, yeah, women can drive, women can drive. And totally after a month of the Saudi government announcement, they totally forgot about it. And they are so sure the women right now are driving back home. But the ugly truth, it's not. What happened after two months of the announcement, they announced, but not internationally, only in the Saudi a local channel, um, saying, uh-oh, um, there is a problem in uh, women driving, so we're gonna postpone that um, decision six or seven months. Right, and this is a pattern of, uh, I mean, this is a pattern in Saudi Arabia and other places, yeah. but this is a pattern there as well, uh, making promises as kind of a, a, a political, uh, um, PR stunt, right? To let, tell people, oh, we're opening up. This is wonderful. Aren't we great? And then not actually fulfilling their promise. Yeah, it, it reminded me of another thing. When I was 10 years old, my father came back home. He was really excited. He was like, oh my gosh, the government just announced that they are going to build this huge building that gather all the ministries in one place. So uh, whenever you want to do uh, something that it's related to the Ministry of Health and another thing that it's related to the Ministry of Education, you don't have to commute to two other to two places you know, around the city or even two cities. You can just go to one place 
and just finish all your documents and papers that you need to do. To the extent my father took us to the land, he was like, look, look at the trucks, they are working on it. And it's a 10 years plan. And right now I'm 29 years and nothing happened. Yeah. We see this pattern in many ways, um, <laughs> but this is why we're here today on Women's Magazine here at MutinyRadio.fm, and uh, hopefully soon um, to edit this down and send part of this out to our sisters at KPFA 94.1 FM, and and to, to, to let your voice and all of these voices be heard, um, because it is a time when people are very ready and willing to call out uh, the shortcomings of government and the lies of government. Um, so it's a, it's, it's a really exciting time. Um, now, of course, that, that doesn't mean that, that things are changing every, for day to day for, for people um, right away, but uh, changing their hearts and minds and uh, exposing them to new ideas and giving them the support um, that they may need uh, to help them through is what's really important right now. That's hu human to human connections. Um, so the, so we are Saudis.org. Yeah, that was um, Saudis.org. Um, and then there is another one, Saudi.com. It's a forum where ex-Muslims can share their beliefs, their thoughts, and they can also meet other Saudis who are non-believers of the religion anymore. And there is a third website, which is .net, which um, focuses on writing. We want Saudis to write about everything they believe, and uh, it's somehow forbidden in Saudis' website or the local channels to even just talk about these subjects. And it's interesting because we're talking about how the television networks within the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, because I mean, let's be clear. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a kingdom. It's a monarchy. Mm -hmm. There's no parliament. Mm -hmm. People are not voting for their leaders. It is a series. It's a system of, of, uh, royal nepotism, right? Yep. Where it's a huge royal family and everybody gets a job in some ministry or another, right? <laughs> Which, you know, that's just how it is right now. It's just how it is. And how it is right now. Um, yeah, I, I'm glad we talked about the um, the, the driving thing yeah. because that when that big announcement came, my first question was, wait a second, hmm, is this is this young prince? <laughs> it's sorry, as an American, it's weird to say a prince. Um, is this young prince actually uh, someone who has a progressive mind? Um, is this a step of, uh, toward progress or is this just further patriarchy saying, well, I, with the power vested in me as the male prince and leader of the kingdom of Saudi Arabia now say women may drive. Um, I, I had that thought, um, but, uh, it is, I, I'm glad I asked you because that the fact that they announced that kind of empty promise, it's empty right now, uh, that women yeah. will be allowed to drive a month ahead of this huge international movement of women who are about to stand up. It really shows that they are scared of that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They, I mean, it's, 
definitely they are scared um and after by the way after they announced that women can drive um they tweeted on, in arabic of course they they are very smart they know if they tweeted in english everyone is going to know about it um so they tweeted in arabic they were like to all rebellion rebellious women all over the world don't even think of taking the credit to yourselves it's our blessings that we made women drive and we have we have a few more minutes here. We've got a little more time. Um, so we are we are Saudis. Org. Com. Net. So how how are you staying connected and, and getting this information out of Saudi Arabia? Because I know that a lot of you know you you've kind of cut a lot of ties with people back home, but the internet is still you know, okay. kind of, kind of an open, yeah. um, forum. So how are you, how are you drawing, um, contributors to your websites? Through social media, of course, especially Twitter. Twitter is like uh, number one uh, for Saudis to talk about what's going on, um, with the government, the religion and the culture. And my friends, I still have friends, my siblings back home, um, everyone I'm meeting. Um, since I came out and I spoke about my story right now, I have um, a lot of followers all over social media who are very proud of me and they are encouraged me to just keep doing what I'm doing. I'm really inspiring them. Um, so far, some women flee the country. Um, one actually uh, finished, uh, finished her PhD because of me after I went out and spoke about my story. She was really dev devastated. She couldn't finish her um, PhD program in Canada. But um, once she heard my story, she was like, well, I got to finish it then. It's like we're, we're becoming bigger and bigger every day. We're not giving up. <laughs> well, your bravery is, is a big, big part of that. Um, so I'm, I'm so pleased and I'm so encouraged and inspired by you and, and, and by the women you're, you're mentioning um, who are willing to step out and, and know that, that there are really serious consequences yeah. um, and that they're really um, making really huge life decisions. Uh, but again, very encouraged by it as well because, and also by the, the response of the community here that has come to, to your aid, knowing that it's the right thing to do to support you um, and your work. Yeah. So uh, happy to be here uh, with you, Sama. Thank you. <laughs> and you also have um, you, you also have a book that you've that you're writing, right? You have a, a memoir, or tell us about the book that you're writing. Yeah, so I have other art uh, projects going on. I am um, writing a memoir, a collection of personal essays about my life story. And um, throughout coming out and speaking up, um, I met a lot of people. And uh, there are three people who reached out to me. They're from Modoc County here in, in California. It's like a little bit off after Sacramento. Um, and they were telling me that they don't have a university and they wish if they can build a university and I was like I'm down <laughs> we're gonna build a university as well um, and um, there are also I've done documentaries already um, and they are there are producers from LA who are interested in making my my story into a feature film as well so 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 many things it's like you're kind of 
casting out all of these beautiful threads, you know, that, <laughs> that people are latching onto and, and running with it. So, um, working on your memoir, mm-hmm. um, and also helping to start a university in Modoc County in California. Tell how did that come up, and and what is the uh, what stage are you in right now with that? Very early stage. Um, it just uh, we came up with the idea, and we are very excited about it, and we believe that we can we can do it. Um, I already uh, started um, talking about it, and so far, actually, Jim McCary was very supportive and. He's also very interested to be part of it as well. So what I really like uh, about the people here in the Bay Area is that they are very helpful and they really want to make a change. And they just help anyone that come through their life and cross. Um, and they they are very humble and um, and, and very kind. I'm so happy you landed here in the San Francisco Bay Area yeah. for many, many reasons. Um, so let's see. We have a few more minutes. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about or any other stories you wanted to share? Um, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's wonderful having you as a guest here on Women's Magazine as we kind of open up the conversation about feminism coming out of and in and throughout Saudi Arabia um, and to, to add that to our international conversation about women's rights, human rights. Um, so do you have any, um, you know, this has been a big year for, for women in the United States, of course, um, the Women's March on Washington and throughout the country uh, last uh, day after Inauguration Day, uh, the biggest protests on U.S. soil ever. Uh, there'll be another one coming up in January. Mm-hmm. Um, wondering if you had any plans to to join that or be a part of it in any way, maybe. I would love to. <laughs> <laughs> and get you out on the streets, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, to, it's, the time is ripe. Um, I'm going to play a little music, and then we'll chat for a second, see if there's anything else we want to we want to cover before Absolutely. we before we sign off. You are listening to Women's Magazine here. I'm Global Val, and this is my guest, Sama Damanhuri. Am I saying your name correctly? Yes, you are. I am. Could you say it for... for Arabic for, virgin? <laughs> yeah. Um, Sama Damanhuri. Okay. There we go. We're doing it. We're getting it together, folks, <laughs> here at mutinyradio.fm, San Francisco's Mission District. We'll be right back. Here's a little more music from Emma's Revolution. Fleeing from war and terror, so I am a refugee.
Angie. You are listening to Women's Magazine with Global Val here at MutinyRadio.fm in collaboration with KPFA 94.1 FM Pacifica Radio here in California. And uh, Samad Amanhuri, my guest today, a Saudi expatriate and uh, international scholar, writer, motivational speaker. And uh, you had... Another message, one more message for the for the people out there. Yes, um, I'm just going to leave it here by saying, um, just remember to deliver an open mind. Deliver an open mind. Beautiful, beautiful. I want to thank you so much for being my guest here today, and uh, you're welcome back anytime. And we'll continue to follow your story and support your voice and support your work anytime. Thank you. Um, We've got a couple minutes here. I wanted to read, I like to read a poem sometimes at the end of the show. And this one I wrote the other day. And then when I realized that Samal was coming, I thought maybe this is a good one. So here we go. There's no title for this. As luscious as the blushing skies of morning are with calming hues of peach and blue, my light shines at night. When even in dimly lit dreams, I see most clearly. Last night's antique boutique handed me a silver windmill. Inside, Dorothy had left a watch for me because time's. Apply now for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2019. Applications open until November 30th for 25 shows in five days. 40 comics chosen March 1st through 5th, 2019 for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. It's our fourth annual and we hope you apply from whatever part of the nation or international comedy scene you come from. Apply now through November 30th. Go to our website, www.mutinyradio.fm, for more details. Aloha, mutineers. Stolowitz here. People ask me, Dave, why do you spend so much time listening to mutinyradio.fm? Well, the answer's simple to me. It's the love I find here. We've got so many great programs here. There's something for everybody, surely. 
well, maybe not the Hitler crew, but you know everyone else. Let me tell you about some of my favorite shows here at Mutiny you may not have heard about. Labor and Love with Bill Morgan is every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 noon. Bill is passionate about labor, jazz, and solidarity, and he tells you how it is. No BS. If somebody gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. I always learn a lot from Labor and Love. It's educational and inspirational. The Common Thread Collective is every Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. with legendary octogenarian hate Ashbury activist Diamond Dave. With help from his friends, Dave talks news, wisdom, progressive activism, and spirituality. There's also open mic time for music, poetry, and stories. Comics gotta hold off till happy hour, though. Oh, and check out Flat Black Plastic with Scott Walker, Saturdays from noon to 2. The title says it all, classic vinyl albums with no apologies. Great stuff! You can listen in live to these fine programs on MutinyRadio.fm or download the podcast at your convenience on Apple iTunes. What a deal! Authentic, real San Francisco love. That's what keeps our ship afloat. You ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl! Are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer ya. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> For all your space chicken sci-fi comedy non-political humor needs, go to timstesseract.com. Read fiction about the future of San Francisco after the water wars of 2121 in Jane 6. Ask a Jedi for important life hacks. Eat flesh with the bare exoskeleton Contessa. And check your horror horoscope on Horoscopia. Updated every three parsecs. Timstesseract.com Timstesseract.com
at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on mutinyradio.fm for the Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube. We watch the best movies that uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen. By uh, here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch friends out at Mutiny Radio. Chester Cashcock here, giving you my love and regards as well as movies over there. And you know, anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Bamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pamtastics deep in the mission where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off for <laughs> is in duty this. And if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, don't worry, don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer cottage in the mountain ridge for the kayaks. <laughs> Just go to podcast.pcrcollective.org or mutinyradio.fm. 
podcasts and look for Comedy Clubhouse with a K. You can download it for free. But we'd love to see you every Friday, 8 to 10, down here at Mutiny Radio. Laugh off your tushy and save your life. Because you know what's better than laughter? Well, it's a cash cock, baby. (laughs) How exciting for you, Mutiny Radio listener. There are six new shows here at MutinyRadio.fm. Monday nights at 10 o'clock, it's time for free phone sex. 415-550-0511. Yes, call in for free phone sex. You will be recorded. It is a podcast, but will that phone sex be free? Absolutely. 10 a.m. Mondays, it's time for everyday conversations on race with everyday people. With Simma Lieberman, everyday people talking about race every week. Different everyday people talking about race. On Tuesdays, 10 o'clock, it's spiritual psychology with Renee McKenna. Meditate, it'll heal you. Then, at noon, stick around. Sergio Novoa brings you my limited view, talking about all things from his perspective. Then, on Thursdays, from 8 to 10, It's time for Beyond Your Comprehension with Clem. Exciting new shows here at Mutiny Radio. Also the IC podcast. That's the Imprint City podcast coming soon. MutinyRadio.fm. New shows. You can have one too. Contact director at MutinyRadio.fm to find out more details. Check us out at mutinyradio.fm. Listening to Mutiny Radio. Hey, everybody. Uh, you're listening to Mutiny Radio. Coming up next is Women's Magazine with Global Val, followed by the Common Thread Collective. So stay tuned to Mutiny Radio. You can find us at mutinyradio.fm. And if you'd like to come by for the Common Thread Collective, we are located at the corner of 21st and Florida in the Mission District. We're on Ohlone land. Thanks so much for listening to uh, the weekly review. And uh, coming up next again, as I mentioned, will be the the uh, women's magazine with Global Val. Stay tuned. Don't you know we're talking about a revolution sounds. Don't you know we're talking about a revolution? 
station It sounds like a whisper While they're standing in the welfare lines Crying at the doorsteps of those armies of salvation Wasting time in the unemployment lines Sitting around waiting for a promotion Don't you know talking about a revolution It sounds whisper Who are people gonna rise up Get their share Gonna rise up and take what's there. Your kiss, your warmth 
Welcome to Women's Magazine. This is Global Val here. The date is Friday, November 9th, 2018, and live here at MutinyRadio.fm here in the Mission District at the corner of 21st and Florida Streets. I hope you're enjoying your Friday afternoon, but definitely stay safe out there. Uh, there's a lot of smoke in the air. No, it's not because it's it's. San Francisco, you know, stoners. No, 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 no. Uh, there's a ton of smoke in the air coming from the camp fire, um, located up in paradise, California, uh, near Chico, California. So if you were to drive from San Francisco, um, up to Chico, it'd take you about a good four or 
hours, maybe five hours, um, depending. Um, so although it's quite a distance uh, from where we are, um, the city has been inundated with smoky air for the, at least the past 24 hours or more. Um, so I know I've got my tie-dye bandana as I walk down the streets and um, a lot of other people are, are, are donning their masks as well. Uh, unfortunately, the state of California and the Californians have, have, have been getting used to um, some of this, this terrible air quality um, brought about by wildfires throughout the state, especially over the past couple of years. And um, it's happening again. So although it does create that kind of beautiful uh, L.A. smog kind of glow in the sky and the sun, you know, looks like dune, you know, it's like red. Um, so it's, it's a rather it creates a rather striking um, light uh, profile here. Um, it's definitely uh, smoky. It smells like smoke. Um, and so, uh, it's the, it's really bad air quality right now in the Bay area. Um, so be safe out there, take precautions. Um, especially if you or someone, you know, uh, suffers from asthma or other, uh, breathing problems. Um, this could really exacerbate those symptoms. So, um, keep an eye out for each other, uh, stay hydrated, uh, you know, wear, wear, uh, something over your face and nose. If, if you, if you have a chance, um, and protect yourselves and, and look out for one another right now. Cause, uh, although we can see the smoke in the air, it's kind of an invisible thing. So, um, you know, if you're getting headaches or other kinds of symptoms, like, you know, be aware of the, of the smoke and the air quality right now. Um, and, uh, try to take care of yourselves. That's my little PSA for the day. Um, because, this is Mutiny Radio, and we care. So uh, thanks for tuning in to listen today. Um, yeah, today's November 9th. So we're looking you know, very much closer to the end of the year. Uh, I can't believe 2018 has passed so quickly. In some ways, it's a blessing. In other ways, wow, life moves pretty fast. Um, so just to let you know, if you're just tuning in, and I just got in from, a, I was had a meeting at, at at my day job. Uh, so it was a little bit of a delay, which is why I'm starting uh, about 20 minutes into this podcast. But, um, just so you know, uh, we have a, f a few dates that we're going to be doing the show here throughout the end of the year. When I say we, I mean myself here for women's magazine and also, uh, myself and diamond Dave for common thread collective, um, 2018, the four remaining shows are as follows today, November 9th. And then, um, November 30th, uh, we're going to be doing a show uh, that Friday afternoon because it's the day before MAP, the Mission Arts and Performance Project. So we want to make sure that we get to do a show before then, uh, we'll possibly have Jorge Molina, Molina come in and do a blessing. We'll see if Cambia can show up and maybe do a little musical set for us to, to get us all geared up for MAP, which is an amazing free event here in the Mission District where you can cruise around almost all day, but definitely all evening to various locations and venues. And some of times there are cafes and sometimes there's someone's garage or living room or, um, an art studio or something, um, where these spaces are transformed into, uh, art and performance spaces. So mission arts and performance project, that's going to be on December 1st. So we will be here at mutiny radio on the Friday prior to that, which is November 30th. 
then in December, uh, we'll be doing two shows uh, in the middle of the month. So Friday, December 14th, and then on Friday, December 21st, which will be the solstice. And we're going to have a great um show that day. We hope you'll come in for all of these shows and participate on the Common Thread Collective uh, Community Open Mic. But certainly on the 21st, we're going to have an amazing brass trio led by Aaron Priscorn, and they're going to be playing some of their uh, holiday music on their respective brass instruments. Um, but it would be great to have as many people who want to come and be a part of that show uh, to do so. Just adjusting to my microphone here. I love Mutiny Radio. It's such a roll-your-own kind of place. You know, it, we're, we're strictly online, um, so we're free speech. Uh, we don't have any bosses, so we can pretty much do what we want and say what we want, uh, for better or for worse. And, um, you know, when I, when I knock the microphone cable out, I can just reach down and pick it up. So... <laughs> Yay. Um, so I'm definitely going to be talking about the election that happened on Tuesday, but we're, we're just going to take a, a little a few breaths before we get into that. Um, but I do want to um, direct you to our website, mutinyradio.fm. Go to our podcast archive and check out the weekly review with Roman. Um, he just did a show uh, just before this one. And again, today is November 9th, 2018, um, where uh, a friend of his called in from the caravan that is slowly making its way up through Mexico from Central America, gathering folks who are planning to come to the U.S. border seeking asylum. Um, but there are uh, people who are down there helping out. Uh, remember, these are men, women, and children, uh, you know, all ages, people from different countries, different regions, different language speakers, um, you know, and who are looking for a safer, better life. And, um, and, uh, so if you check out the Facebook page for the weekly rev, yeah. Right. Weekly rev. Yeah. Weekly rev. Moms right here. The weekly, weekly rev. Oh, sure. Yeah. If you go to facebook.com forward slash weekly rev, uh, you'll find, uh, the link for today's show. And there was also, they're also doing a, um, some, some crowdfunding to try to help bring supplies to the people. And yes. Yeah. There's a PayPal that's included in the description of today's show. And so folks can donate directly to folks who are on the ground. Excellent. Thanks, Val. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Roman, for all the good work you do here at Mutiny Radio. Um, you know, we, we here, at least I'll speak for, for myself and, and Roman, we're, we're just trying to make the world a better place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we just want you to know what's going on, um, for better or for worse. Uh, so that, you know, you can kind of reach out to people and commiserate or, uh, you know, help <laughs> or get help. Um, you know, it's, we're working on a real human level here. So, um, I really appreciate that. And, uh, uh, I hope I hope you do too. Hey, if you're listening to the show, you must because that's kind of it's kind of how we roll uh, around here. So I'm going to play a little music for you um, from a very cool band uh, that plays around the Bay Area. They're called Brother Spellbinder, and um, yeah, you can catch them around. Sometimes they actually um, recently 
had a regular stint. I'm not sure if they're still doing it Wednesday nights at the Revolution Cafe over here on 22nd Street, um, but a, a really cool little ensemble. So um, here's some music from our whoops, our friend's uh, brother Spellbinder. And uh, actually, our, another friend of mine just handed me this CD a week ago. So um, although I've heard their music before, I'm not sure what to expect. Uh, I'm just going to randomly select a track and we're going to go with it. So here we go. Welcome to Women's Magazine. Громко и четко. Я могу говорить. Давай. Я могу говорить.
All right, some music from Brother Spellbinder. Are you, are you spellbound? I am. Um, really cool, really cool band. Um, go check them out at the Revolution Cafe, I think on Wednesday nights. Uh, I think they're still on that circuit. Um, all right, well, this is an unavoidable topic. The midterm elections. Oh my God. So Global Val's election season coverage, I have to be honest, it started really strong. Last December, actually, um, when the the late um, Ed Lee, our former mayor, um, died unexpectedly uh, in December of 2017. And it, 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 it struck, struck, ignited the fire of a, of a, short-lived uh, mayoral race, which probably saw more mayoral forums in that short little six-month period um, than a normal um, every four-year election, um, mayoral election would uh, would have. Um, it was a real whirlwind. I interviewed at least three of the candidates for mayor, um, a couple that uh, were supposed to come in and, and never did. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> and uh, we had a, a forum here for people who were running against Nancy Pelosi for U.S. Congress. We had a right here at Mutiny Radio. I, I moderated that forum uh, between, I believe, four candidates. Um, and uh, we talked to people who were pushing for or strongly opposed to various ballot measures. All, all of this like in the first six months really of uh, 2018. And you can find links to all of those interviews on globalval.blogspot.com. Globalval.blogspot.com has links to all those. And so it's kind of funny. I have to, I really have to admit this um, because as a volunteer radio DJ, um, it was about, I was, you know, it was about a week before the June uh, primary election here. And, um, when I realized, wow, this election season goes till November. <laughs> so I admittedly felt a little bit burnt out um, but, but after the June election. So uh, we actually took some time this summer to kind of uh, step back a little bit and, um, you know, do our shows every other week as opposed to every single week. And um, so my, my latter part of 2017, 2018 election season coverage was a, a little less intense than the first half. Um, that being said, uh, certainly, uh, there's been a lot to talk about this year. Um, I went to the she, the people conference. Um, it was a big summit here in San Francisco and, um, it was women from around the country, 36 States, um, primarily women of color, which was the focus of, uh, building a community of support, um, outside of, um, although, you know, still somewhat aligned with, uh, the current political party systems. Um, but, uh, you know, trying to push for, for, for more women to be elected into all levels of government. Um, and it wasn't until that summit, she, the people, um, that I really understood the scale of uh, the movements here across the country, um, the pushes, the push for change uh, in representative government, uh, who was going to be running and winning primaries, and then ultimately 
winning seats uh, around the country. Um, so although there were, of course, a few, you know, disappointments, as there always are uh, in this recent election that took place just three short days ago, um, we certainly saw a big wave of change. I'm not going to call it a blue wave, um, you know, even though uh, a lot of people ran under the Democratic banner, um, but certainly a, a large wave of change um, with a lot of firsts. In fact, a record 117 women won office on Tuesday. Um, pretty amazing stuff. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm going to just by, you know, some of the numbers here. Uh, I've got a couple articles here that I'm referencing. One's from NPR, one's from the New York Times. So um, mostly objective number stuff uh, as opposed to substantive uh, bias. But um, in terms of numbers, at least 117 women were elected on Tuesday, 100 Democrats and 17 Republicans. And that was as of Wednesday. You know, there's still some counting to be done. Of them, 42 are women of color. At least three of them are LGBT. Um, with some ballots still being count counted, women have so far claimed 96 of the House's 435 seats, um, which is expected to rise to 100. Um, that's a, uh, an increase from the current 84 seats that women occupy in the House of Representatives. So uh, still, you know, nowhere close to parity, but uh, growing. Um, at least 12 women won Senate seats, um, which will bring the total in that chamber to at least 22. Um, so th again, nowhere near halfway, but... Uh, <laughs> uh, it, some victories across nonetheless um, for women. And there's certainly, you know, from both parties, actually. Uh, women won nine governorships. Um, six women currently serve. So that's bringing that number way up. Um, basically, overall, at least 10 more congressional seats will be occupied by women than before. Um, let's see. Uh, 250 women were on the ballot. Um, so the fact that 117 women won is a pretty amazing figure. Um, I just want to talk about some of the people who won, who are really interesting that we're going to be, uh, looking at and, and, and becoming familiar with over the years to come. Um, the first Muslim women, uh, there was the Democrat, uh, Rashida Tlaib, who's from Michigan's 13th district. I met her at She the People. She came to San Francisco. Um, she had, you know, tears in her eyes as she spoke about the water crisis of Flint, Michigan. Um, these are people who are going do door to door and real grassroots um, efforts uh, to become elected. So, um, She's going to be represent in the House of Representatives. She'll be representing Michigan's 13th district. Um, and then from Minnesota, another Muslim woman, Ilan Omar, uh, is representing that state's fifth district. So they both became the first Muslim women elected to Congress. Um, and also, uh, Ilhan Omar is also a refugee. So she'll be the first refugee in Congress. Um, and then uh, Rashida Tlaib will be the first Palestinian-American woman to serve in Congress. So I think that's going to be rather interesting as well. Um, she, she joked at She the People. She said, you know, of course, my mother thinks I'm going to go free Palestine. <laughs> um, but, you know, what a different voice to have in Congress. Um, 
We also elected the youngest woman ever, 29-year-old Democrat Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Um, she's serving New York's 14th district. Um, and yeah, the the woman who currently holds, um, uh, who, who previously held that distinction of being the youngest woman was elected at age 30. Um, in that, also from New York, but that was back in 2014. So uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she's been getting a lot of press, of course. You're probably familiar with her name. What I think is particularly badass about her, other than her politics, is that she not only won in the 14th district in her primary in June, but she also won as a write-in candidate for the 15th district because they loved her so much. Um, so, of course, after that primary, she had to choose one district, which, of course, she chose the 14th, which she was running for, um, to represent... Um, you know, from where she came from in New York. Uh, so she's going to call uh, to Congress. <laughs> she's going to college. No, she's going to Congress. Um, another round of firsts, which I think is particularly moving, um, is the first Native American women. Uh, Democrat Sharice Davids won the House seat from Kansas's third district, unseating a Republican Kevin Yoder. And Democrat Deb Holland from New Mexico won the seat for New Mexico's first district. So both of them, that makes both of them the first Native American women ever elected to Congress. You get where we're going with this? You see, see what's happening here? Um, Ayanna Presley, Democrat from Massachusetts, a city councilwoman from Boston who won, who ran against a 10-term incumbent Democrat and won the, her primary handily, won this election. And she's becoming the first black woman elected to Congress from Massachusetts uh, to represent that state's 7th district. Um, huge. Um also, um, Iowa's getting their first women House members ever um, going to Congress. Uh, first Latina Congress members from Texas, uh, Democrat Veronica Escobar in the state's 16th district and Sylvia Garcia in the state's 29th district. First Latinas represented in the, in the state Congress, according to the Texas Tribune. Um, First woman governor of Maine, uh, first woman ever elected governor of Iowa, first woman senator from Tennessee, uh, first woman governor from South Dakota, um, who's a Republican, by the way, but still, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a women's magazine, um, and the first woman senator from Arizona. Pretty amazing stuff. Uh, I, I'm not, I don't usually love, um, and that was some reporting from the, from NPR. I don't usually love, um, the New York times, but there was, uh, the, 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 there was a great line here, um, from Maya Salam who wrote the gender letter. Um, and she said a record 117 women won elections across the United States on Tuesday, flipping seats and taking names. So, uh, if you don't think change is possible, think again. Um, if you don't think change is in progress, don't be mistaken. Uh, there's a lot of passion and a lot of power and a lot of people coming together um, to try to stir the pot in this country and um, 
and uh, well, make it more fair, more equitable, more actually representative of our populace. And so um, I've, I've, I've met some of these women. I have uh, talked to some of their senior advisors. Um, I, I interviewed um, Ayanna Presley's senior advisors here on Women's Magazine back on, I'll get the date right in a minute, it's September 21st. So you can check out that uh, podcast uh, where we kind of did a, re a recap of She the People and talked about Ayanna Presley's um, historic run and victory. Um, so yeah, it's happening. Um, change, change is here, change is coming. And, uh, when you see a picture of the next, uh, house of representatives, when they get sworn in, uh, in, in January, it's going to look a lot different. So, um, Democrats have regained the, the, uh, majority in the house of representatives, um, a, a good way to put a check on power. Uh, remember old checks and balances? Um, a great way to, to put some balance at least back into our uh, system of government between the executive, the judiciary, and the legislative branches of government. Um, so uh, although the Senate is still uh, has a root majority of Republicans who obviously have been self-serving and their own um, moneyed interests behind them and playing dirty and getting into bed with uh, sleazeball number 45 um, to get their own agenda across. Well, you know, Senate still has a majority of Republicans, but things are changing. Uh, we definitely are looking at a time of opportunity. So don't go to bed. If you're feeling like you're more woke than you've ever been, uh, you know that you got to stay up um, and, and keep at it. Um, we certainly need to remain vigilant, um, especially as attacks uh, keep coming from the White House against uh, freedom of the press. Um, just remember, if if people are trying to hide things from you, it's probably because they're doing something that you are not going to like very much. So, um, you know, the writings on the wall, uh, the, 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 the dirty dealings are, um, not too far under the surface. So, um, don't despair. Here's a little music for you. A little more brother spellbinder. This is Women's Magazine. I'm Global Val. Awesome Friday. You are. He did you a favor. You'll appreciate later. Just another night caper. Never say never. It's gonna get
you're going to get by. You're going to thrive. Sometimes you're going to feel like you're flying. Happy Friday, everybody. This is Global Val here at mutinyradio.fm. You're listening to Women's Magazine. I do always want to encourage you to tune in and listen to Women's Magazine on KPFA 94.1 FM every Monday afternoon from 1 to 2 p.m. My colleagues over there are always doing fantastic work uh, elevating women's voices. Um, They are the original Women's Magazine. I am but an outpost here in the Mission District on this crazy ship called Mutiny Radio. Anyhow, um... Happy November, uh, and uh, wow, what a year. All right, I feel like I should read you a poem, and this is is not my poem. I did not write this. Um, I might read one of my own later, but um, this comes from She the People, so the She the People Summit that happened in September. um, It's called An Anthem for Now. And it's honor. It's in honor of she the people, and it's by Elmaz Abinader, and um, she is um, a professor over at Mills College, and she wrote this, and this this kind of came on the flyer from that day. Um, so here we go. It's called an anthem for now. The world inside and beside me are one. Change starts when you listen to the heart. Hear this. Country, you do not need a telescope to find us. Stars are among you. Shift your eyes from the corridors to the sky, from the sky to the home, from the home to the field, from the field to the classroom, hospital, factory floor, and street corners. Hear this. We are the voiceless and we will be heard, not as a song to entertain you, not as a rule to be followed or a call to dinner. We call on you to listen to the voices that stream in from embattled countries and towns with names hard to pronounce and ways you do not see on TV. The world inside and beside me are one. Change starts when you listen to the heart. Country, hear this. The configuration is new again. Answers are not bought or bargained for. This is no backhaul game. Nothing is theoretical. The evidence is us. And we come here open hands to offer solution, inclusion, compassion, and generosity. Don't question it. So, country... It's time to welcome the unseen and the unheard who have been doing your labor all along. But don't worry, we clean up good and stand before you and with you. See us, hear us with all our languages, accents, bodies, all our ages and wisdoms. It is time. The world inside and beside me are one. Change starts when you listen to the heart. And that was written by Elmaz Abinader, professor, an anthem for now. She the people, y'all. It's awesome. Suddenly, you're born a wee friend. 
You've been listening to Women's Magazine here on MutinyRadio.fm. I'm Global Val. Thank you so much for tuning in. Of course, the music that we were listening to here is from Brother Spellbinder. Um, and uh, it's an exciting time to be alive. So I feel like I should read you a little poem as well. Um, because although I myself... Uh, well, let's see. Do I have time to read this? It's hmm, kind of a long one. How about this? We'll end with with this. Because I know that you're out there and you're dreaming. Uh, I know I'm dreaming. So here we go. Visions awaken. Visions awaken through inspiration. Open your eyes. Seek and find what you wish to be. Call to the far reaches. The echo is destiny. Pump love and passion even into the faintest notion of what could be. A colorful yarn unraveling to unleash your story. A call and response of your dreams and reality. Peace to you all. I'm Global Val. Stay tuned. The Common Thread Collective is coming up next. Um, Lots of love. Stay, Stay strong. Stay healthy. And remember, just when your aspirations seem outrageous, like running for Congress and winning. Who knows? Inspiration is contagious. Peace. Thank you. Stay tuned.
Mission, Bender's Bar and Grill. Hi, welcome to My Limited View. I am your host, Sergio Novoa. And I'm your co-host, Vanessa Wilkins. Join us every Tuesday from 12 to 2 at muniradio.fm as we share stories, our personal stories. And struggles and challenges. And we'll also have guests come in and share their stories. And hopefully through all this, we can expand our view. Or your view. Yes, and there'll be plenty of dick jokes, so don't worry. It's not always going to be heavy. Yeah, I might even share black hair tips. Black hair tips, don't. <laughs> anything about it sorry all on my limited view yes every tuesday from 12 to 2 uh oh you can if you can also find us on apple Podcasts. oh yeah and google play and stitcher itunes oh you already said that tune in radio uh stitcher you said that spotify oh my god there's just so many and overcast um, yes, you can also find us on social media, M as in Mary, L as in Larry, P as in Peter, podcast, MOV podcast is our handle. Until next time, I hope you're enjoying your view. Yes. Bye. Bye. That kind of sucked balls. Good evening there, my friends, here at MutinyRadio.Evan. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes. And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? 
That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Thank you.